Hello. Uh, welcome to the YBNB show. I'm Angela Middleton. I'm talking to you from West London. And uh, as some of you may know that now, those of you who've uh, started to tune in on a regular basis, we run this show three times a week live. Uh, we cover body, mind and business in that order. Body, body on Monday, mindset on Wednesday and business on Friday. And um, I am delighted today to welcome my good friend, Catherine Gregg, onto our show to talk about business. Hi, Catherine. Hi. And uh, also, you know, we have got this, uh, obviously this great connection because we were sporting the same hair and earring uh, <laughs> look today and it really wasn't planned, but uh, that's uh, that we're off to a good start. Um, so uh, Catherine's joined me. I really wanted to, um, to get her on because I wanted to talk about something in business which has become increasingly important. But in fact, it's something that Catherine has um, always uh, you know, prioritized within her business. Um, Catherine's business is called Make Good. It was founded in 2009. It's an architectural design business. And I will leave her to sort of talk to you a little bit more about um, you know, the, the core values of it. And uh, you know, we'll go on to talk about the importance of sustainability in business. So hi, Catherine again, and thanks so much for joining us. And um, tell me a little bit about um, you know, your business, just for the, for the viewers, first of all, tell us a little bit of background and then we'll go on to talk about the core values. Amazing. Thanks, Angela. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here. Um, so yeah, I founded Make Good in 2009. I'm an architect by background. Um, and I really wanted to set up a business that put people, um, all people, more at the heart of how decision making is made around our built environment. So one thing that I really noticed at architecture school is that the decisions were all made by people at the top who traditionally hold the power. So traditionally men, traditionally white people. Um, and I really wanted to shake that up and to start making the decision making much more democratic. So we work on projects that are all in the public sector or public space and think about involving as many people as possible in the design process. And that happens in all different ways, but it's very much about, yeah, kind of getting people involved and doing some really fun activities with people so that they can see how their opinions have shaped what happens. Yeah, because I was um, really um, so interested to see one of your more recent projects where um, it was to do with, we, I won't sort of give away the details, but I'll let you sort of describe as much as you want to about that. But um, you held a sort of quite a lot of uh, public debates and things, didn't you, uh, around um, the design of a particular spot in central London. And if you could sort of bring that to life for us a little bit, because I think it will really sort of, uh, it would be a great example of the work that you do. Yeah, um, yeah, it's easier sometimes, isn't it, when there's an example. Yeah. We were doing a piece of work for Grosvenor, a big landowner, um, on for Grosvenor Square. So it's a really important project for them. It's in Mayfair. Um, it's probably like a London square that people may or may not have been in, but you could you could probably draw it even if you hadn't been there, and you would be pretty accurate about what it's like. So it's got some railings, some grass, some trees around the outside, some monuments, a fountain. Um, and so the brief was to try and involve people in a conversation about improving that public space for people and for planet. So how could it be much more sustainable, um, but also how could it be much more inspiring and interesting for people to use? And so we took the approach of thinking, well, we could have some conversations where people might say more flowers or a couple more trees, but we could also bring in some experts who are from all different industries and do some talks and debates around it. 
Um, so we had a whole series of what we called big topic talks. Um, we did them all online because of the pandemic, but we um, they were great. And that we had different speakers, not all not all from the same angle, not all saying the same things, um, but giving people an opportunity to really think about public spaces from could be anything from like how do we deal with water um because we have this whole more flooding and more drought at the moment because of climate change so how do we deal with that how do we deal with planting in a way that really um is good for us as humans but also kind of good for the planet so looking at pollinators through to kind of actually how can planting make us feel something so how can it really have a, the best impact on our health and well-being so it was a really great way of um, widening that conversation and people got really into it and people from all across London and across the UK could get involved and hear that hear that those conversations and add in their views and it was it's definitely been a nice way of helping people think about their own spaces as well as this kind of central London space. Mm. I mean it was really fantastic because I, I came in on one of those talks out of interest and sort of heard some of the debate and people were so interested and so engaged with it and it made you know such a difference to hear that type of debate when normally not that I've got a huge amount of experience of construction projects but normally um you know the debate is all around sort of footprint and uh you know value per uh, square foot and you know the profitability and I think um if we could just touch on that for a moment with regard to business um some people could be led to believe that you know, if you're looking at a sustainable, a business that sort of prioritizes sustainability, that you might be doing that uh, instead of, uh, or sort of swapping that out instead of profitability. But the two are not mutually exclusive, as you obviously are demonstrating having run the business um, since 2009. Um, but not just that, there are many other advantages besides sort of the, the you know, the impact on the planet, etc. Because now, uh, you know we're all so much more interested and aware I think of of the planet that we live in and wanting to sort of do something to sustain it aren't we so there's more more advantages as well to running your business you want to tell us a bit about that yeah I mean I think as consumers we're so much more conscious aren't we and that that is um from on an individual level of the person the people that we're meeting on the street or talking to or engaging in our in our work and want to know things about our business so where are we and how do we share the profit within the team? Where do we source any of our materials from? Um, how are we, how are the team involved in that business? Um, and then from a client perspective, we work in public sector. So we have lots of things that we have to answer around where are we, again, where are we sourcing our materials? Where do we print things? What do we print on? What happens to the materials once we've finished um, working with them when we build what are we building from all of those things um and kind of thinking about how are we employing people locally are we spending money locally and it's interesting that these are questions that are quite easy for me to answer because when I set the business up it was all about involving local people um in decision making but also stretching that out across we've always had a policy around spending money locally so if we're doing a project in a particular area we would try and spend money on whether it's from catering an event through to kind of um if when something's being built working with a local contractor or buying materials locally so as much as of that spend gets spent locally in that area offering kind of work experience and internships for people 
um, in an area, not just within our team, but if there are partners on the project, kind of spreading that out. So these are things that, you know, right at the beginning was something that I really, really was keen to do. Um, and so it's interesting that it's gone through being something that people weren't so interested and now it's a core part of a decision making as why a client will think about working with you and having answers to these questions that aren't just we recycle our paper or yeah you know, we yeah. have low energy light bulbs it's got to be more interesting than that well I think that's um you know on that theme of you know is it is running a sustainable business can it be profitable I think that what's interesting particularly in the public sector space is that you know these priorities of yours that you've always um, had top of your agenda um, are now becoming mandatory for any organization so if, if someone's going along a, a business is going along and bidding for a big contract you know a government contract let's say or a local authority contract you know they're asked all these questions <clears throat> about sustainability and um, what we see now is many organizations running around sort of thinking, goodness, you know, how can we become more sustainable? Let me sort of put, you know, some uh, new initiatives. Let me rebadge someone's title, head of sustainability or whatever it is. And that you, there you are, you've been doing it. So you're one of the founders of this, really. You've been doing it since the beginning, since 2009, as we said. Um, so that's a huge advantage, really, for you and um, for any other business that wants to um, follow in your footsteps. But also, um, I I'm assuming that uh, this is really helpful if you're hiring people as well, because you know, people now are interested in working for businesses that have values that align with theirs, aren't they? Have you, have you experienced that at all? Absolutely. I think it's something that definitely over the last two or three years as we're recruiting, it's something that makes a difference to people wanting to join us and, um, you know, pushing us further in some areas. So I'm thinking about, you know, we do have a, we do have an environmental and sustainability policy um, and we do look at how we're, you know doing some stuff um internally with our processes and very often it will be um kind of some of the younger people in the business who are interested in taking on board how we can all make decisions and change things so i'm thinking about you know it could be there's tiny examples of like we don't we have all our milk delivered in glass bottles now to the studio so we're you know it's all these which sounds like a tiny thing we a couple of years ago said we were no longer going to print for a client because some of the stuff we do is exhibition so we're no longer going to print on something that is not sustainable or recyclable um, and that means it's more expensive for a client but it's also um, has a longer lead in time so they have to make their decisions earlier and we just said it to clients and they said yeah okay that's We'll, we'll, we'll accept that mm. and for the team, that came from someone within the team saying actually I'm really fed up of us saying these things and yet in this area we do this so I think it's definitely something that people are interested in and and rightly and you know I think making sure like whilst it's my values that might have um, started the business making sure that everyone can contribute because there's a whole there's a whole kind of social sustainability piece as well as environmentally sustainable and I think living your values within the business as well as outside of the business is is something that's really important yeah. and um so as we said you, you know you're attracting people to cut to want to come and work for you because of these values that you have and um also you're pushing clients to follow suit because you're making proposals which maybe um, they're starting to come around to, but might have seemed quite alien at the beginning. And uh, I know you had um, a couple of instances, didn't you, where, you know, originally when you were pitching that um, maybe clients were, were used to, you know, the more traditional sort of architectural design proposals. And then suddenly 
you're coming along with some of these quite different aspects of the proposal and they weren't always taken that seriously to, at the beginning were they? No I mean I think I also set the business up I mean uh, architecture is a very um, uh, what should I say old-fashioned profession in many many ways you know and I think it is moving um, but there's a whole kind of central core of it which is very traditional and I think um, it's also a very male-dominated industry and definitely at the beginning there was um, a real sense of almost feeling like people were laughing at, at what I was trying to do and not being taken seriously. Lots of instances where I'd be speaking and people would um, point out something about my physical appearance when you just think you wouldn't do that to a man like yeah. what is happening. I remember you said that someone asked put his hand up and said something about your buttons or something your buttons yeah, yeah. on your jacket or something yeah crazy. <laughs> You think someone's going to ask a question relating to what you're saying so you say yeah of course you could ask a question and then it's actually about your physical appearance it's very strange so i think you know those things and that wasn't that long ago like those things are still are still out there but i think you know there is a there's a shift now definitely where people are know that they need to whether or not they, it's authentic or not i think people know that they need to be thinking about this stuff or somehow have somebody within the team or someone within a pitch mm. or a client needs to be able to address this so often you know it's it's there is a whole section of often in kind of public sector bids that is about sustainability and equality impact and all of those pieces are things that we can write about and so I can see that we've gone from being the outliers to now being you know mainstream which is you know equally as something that I think well we then have to shift as well right so you've got to continue being doing more kind of you can't just sit in your place you've got to kind of be thinking about what's the next thing how can we do more well I mean we had a, I was talking to somebody um last week I think it was and we were talking about innovation and uh having your your USP and that's not sort of decided just once and that's the end of it is it because um you know you've entered what would appear to be a flooded market like you say a traditional market and then you come along and but you carved out your niche very, very clearly. And I think your branding is brilliant. I mean, just the name of your business, Make Good, is, is just fabulous um, and really embodies what you do. Um, but yeah, like, as we know, you know, you've got to continue to consider what, what's unique about you, why clients should come to you. And if everybody is following suit, trying to um, constantly evolve so that you're just ahead of the pack there, or different at least, is, is critical. Um, so what would be your... Um, have you got some tips for people who are thinking, do you know what, I, you know, I love my business, but, it, you know, I can't make it sustainable from my point of view. I mean, what sort of, how would they start, do you think, if they are in any type of industry? I mean, some are a bit, bit more obvious than others, I, I suppose, fashion, or if you're sourcing things, you know, you were sourcing sustainable um, sources, but that's easier said than done, obviously, when people are looking at logistics and costs and things. But what would be your tips? Um. I would say like so something that has really worked for me is thinking about things that are important to me personally so my own personal values um, and thinking about therefore how that can translate into the business and then widening that conversation so some industries I can see that might be really tough for people to think about well how do I what am I tangibly doing but I think you can start with recruitment and you can start with kind of what you do within your own um 
office space or you know even re working remotely we can think about well how much stuff are we ordering how many deliveries are we doing who are we ordering from what is the environmental kind of um credentials of the companies that we are ordering from and um, can we shop local can all of those things that you can actually make those decisions as a business without thinking about how you're producing if you're producing a product or how you're delivering a service mm -hmm. and then I think kind of being open with the team if you have a team and saying here's what we'd like to do here's the things that I think are important to me what things what things are important to you what could we do what are the easy things that we could do what are the medium term kind of slightly harder things to do and actually if we thought kind of longer term you know as i'm speaking i'm like this is really similar to how you might think about anything in a business right it's like you've got to think well what are our goals and if you keep setting yourself uh in five years time i want it to be x and you don't break that down into steps you will never achieve it so you've got to kind of have what's your audacious goal but also what are the smaller things that we can do that we can monitor and we can see are we achieving it and so i sort of poo-pooed recycling earlier but if you don't recycle then you could recycle what have you thought about everything that you got delivered to your office or to your homes or whatever and thought about changing the way it gets delivered or or kind of writing back to people and saying well, I don't want to buy from you anymore if you continue to package in that way mm -hmm. so we all have agency of things that we can things that we can do yeah it's amazing actually as you were saying sort of think I'm sure that sparked off a lot of thoughts with people in your uh, you know not just in your sort of field but in other fields as well because you can do things and I think the other thing is to talk about it and communicate about it as well and then then it becomes part of your, um, you know, your brand and your unique selling points as well. Um, yeah. That's been so helpful. The other thing, bearing in mind that the programme is um, called Your Body Means Business. And uh, as you know, I sort of think that there is a very strong connection between um, physical and mental fitness and uh, what we do in business and our careers. Um, I know you think the same yourself as well, having uh, been incredibly busy uh, mum of two very young children. And also you've got a little colleague, I think, with you sitting there right now, haven't you? You've yeah. still got a little colleague. Let's have a little look. Is he sure, there? Okay. There she is, look, being really good. I'm really spoiled, yeah, being on the bed, bless her. So I know you're busy. This is a special treat to stop her from barking and just <laughs> very well behaved, so that's good. Um, but I know you're really super busy, but you've really maintained your fitness. I mean, you know, you look amazing when I've seen you. Um, and uh, so tell us what you think about the connection between, you know, those two things. Yeah, I mean, I think I have always been someone who um, likes to move a lot. So I actually have my best ideas when I'm moving or walking. Like I am not a go to the gym or like run marathons person, but I do walk an awful lot and I cycle. Um, and it's a really good thinking spot for me. So making that time is so important. And I can really feel it when I don't do that. And I think when we met Angela, I'd just been through a period, a really, really stressful period. And I'd stopped doing that. I'd stopped moving. I'd stopped eating properly. I was, you know, sustaining on sugar an awful lot. Um, and I, this is before I had children. And I thought this is completely ridiculous. Like I cannot this I feel really sluggish I can't think about the business I'm, I was actually quite uninspired by the business which feels impossible implausible right now but like I definitely it was it was really heavy weight and I just woke up in 2014 and thought I'm going to stop eating 
as mm. much sugar. So I stopped eating sugar completely for probably about six months and I started moving an awful lot. And so I walk probably like six, seven kilometers a day. Mm -hmm. So it's not a bucket, it's not loads and loads. Some people will think that's loads and some people will think that's nothing. But I but I do that all the time. Um, and then I have introduced sugar back because it was too, I think it was too strict. It was too hard, mm. but just, but not all the time. Like I would have it, I would, was really sustaining my mood and comforting myself and rewarding myself, everything through sugar. Mm. So stopping that emotional relationship with sugar made a really, really big impact. Um, and I've just sustained it. And I think because, I mean, you probably know more about this than me, about the whole like length of time in which you embed a habit and then it becomes a habit, it, like it just becomes a ritual. Yes. Um, so I think that six months of like total abstinence and then slowly introducing it back in. And now it doesn't have the same appeal. So even, I mean, interesting, I would say in the last nine months, I have had moments where I've like not moved as much because I couldn't or mm. having small children juggling work all of those things and you you fall back but if I fall back into the pattern for a couple of days and then I will instantly feel different the yeah. difference and then you think well I can't you've experienced what it's like to feel amazing and in top form I think one, one of the things that you mentioned to me when we did meet was that you can actually identify that when you started to feel sort of super fit again that things started to take off in the business you said there was a definite yeah it really it it's um I hadn't thought about it until we were talking about it but they absolutely kind of correlated so I think I was at a point where I thought as I said I was really like down about the business I really didn't like it I was really unhealthy I was feeling really miserable had this change but also at the same time thought I'm going to pitch a piece of work every week yeah which is um I mean it depends what kind of business you have that would be ridiculous for us to pit to sustain that. But again, I did that probably for like four or five months um, and really got better at pitching. Um, obviously we weren't winning every pitch that we put in, but got better at pitching, um, started to win work, a lot more work kind of could hone, had energy for it, had enthusiasm for it. Um, and then they are like, it's a virtuous circle, isn't it? So it, mm. it just kind of boosted. And I think now we don't pitch that volume of work because we're too good at pitching and then we would win it all and then I would have a different challenge but I think it was a real sometimes you know I'm definitely a big believer in setting an audacious goal and breaking it down into manageable steps but sometimes you need to do a sprint sometimes you just need to say I'm going to shift something up and I'm going to shift it up for this window of time and we're just going to do it do it do it um and then and knowing it's not going to be forever like I couldn't pitch a piece of work for forever I couldn't have no sugar for the rest of my life I know that some people do but like it became really challenging like going and seeing friends and all of those things so for me and it was it was something that I could introduce back a little bit of. Mm. I think it's such a great example though that you've uh, given there because uh, you know you you decide you set yourself this audacious goal as you called it pitching at least once a week now to do that well, firstly, you knew that if you did that, that you were going to change your result. You were obviously going to get a bigger result, um, but not just that, you were going to improve your skills because obviously we do more thing, uh, things more frequently and we get better at them. But, you know, obviously you would have to have had the energy to do that. And so the whole thing is correlated. I, I saw exactly the same thing myself when I went through my own sort of transformation is that everybody could see what had happened on the outside as I did with you when we met. But 
um, what they don't, they can't actually see, but that what they can witness is what goes on in the inside as well. Because um, I always think of the body as a bit like a, um, a taxi. And if you put the right fuel, the right quality, the right quantity, you maintain it, you let it cool down at night and all of that, it's going to run really, really reliably and ferry around its passenger properly, i.e. the brain in our case. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing applies to our body. And I think that's a lovely way to probably um, finish our um, talk. I'll come back to you in a second, but I just wanted to say to anybody who's listening here now who, who really likes this type of philosophy and wants to hear more, we run this, um, these live uh, conversations with uh, people, you know, esteemed people such as Catherine, we run them three times a week and we talk about aspects of body, mind and business. And if you wanna hear more about it, I run live webinars. I've got another one this Sunday at four o'clock. If you wanna click on a link, there'll be a link that pops up here. And uh, you'll also have the opportunity to work with us in the YBMB program as well, if you wanna jump in and uh, start getting results for yourself. Um, but uh, thanks so much, Catherine, for that. And um, you are such a sort of a living, breathing example of how firstly putting your val values first and foremost with your business. And secondly, looking after your, yourself physically um, enables you to have the energy to bring those those values to life that's what you most definitely doing successfully with your business and with your family as well so you're doing it all at the moment anything else that you wanted to add um before we finish um only sleep and water yes well those are critical as well and if you're managing to do that with two little children that little doggy then anybody can again it's it's what gets focused on gets done isn't it yeah well i think i mean i have less sleep obviously because I have small kids but then I think you're the other bits you have to compensate right so you've got to eat better and you've got to drink enough water and you've got to rest when you can yes. otherwise you just can't you can't sprint in every area simultaneously without collapsing yeah no that's right all right well thank you so much it's been so thank nice to meet you, you again, and I'll see you very soon all okay. right bye. Bye. thank you bye-bye